welcome to episode 66 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we toss spiky axes in the parade of new App Store games that are worthy of postcards. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. Sharpen up my axe to, uh, I guess, take it to a parade. I don't know, that sounds kind of sadistic, but... It just depends on where you live. <laughs> <laughs> protection it's only there for protection right and so there's the usual app store happenings that keeps everything busy and flowing on our podcast but apple news isn't as spicy right now so we've tried to find some stuff and the first is that warren buffett's company berkshire hathaway has bought an additional 75 million shares of apple stock which has now pushed the apple stock to the highest level it's ever been so that's quite just Apple news where they might not have the greatest impact on your next iPhone or iPad, but Apple's definitely in good position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if he's vesting that much money into Apple. I mean, that's obviously he has strong feelings that Apple's going to do well or continue to do well. Right. Continue to do well because it's not like they're on hard times. Yes. <laughs> I think right now they hold 240 million shares with the additional 75 million they acquired which is worth 42.5 billion so berkshire hathaway has a huge stake in apple i mean essentially that's about how much apple makes in one quarter but <laughs> it's still a big stake <laughs> of the company yeah 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 and then it is a special anniversary for apple it turns out that this past Sunday, May 6th, was the 20th anniversary of the original iMac when it came out in 1998. You know, that blue camshell one that then spawned all the different colors and really spawned kind of Apple's rebirth because that's when Steve Jobs came back to the company. That was their first big Mac release. And, you know, the iPod is what turned the company around, but I think the iMac helped just put Apple back on the map of relevancy. Right, and just seeing how far it's come in that in that time, like looking at that original iMac and then what we have today, I mean, they're almost unrecognizable that one came from the other, just from sheer how they look, but just the increase in computing power over all these years is super impressive. Yeah, just yeah. Even if you put them right next to each other, it doesn't look like they're really from the same family. But then, definitely, the computing power—it's off the charts. I mean, that is the type of machine that had megabytes of RAM. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they, <laughs> or like, I found the I, I found the um, the stat sheet for an old PC I bought when I went into college like twenty years ago, and the amount of hard drive space that was on there, it was like staggering that you made do with what was in those old computers back 20 years ago. And so it was, uh, it's crazy how, how much, how exponentially faster and more powerful things have become. Yep. And so that original iMac, it had four gigabytes hard drive. So, you know, that gets all kinds of stuff done. And then it had, uh, <laughs> six megabytes of vram standard so that powered that awesome you know 15 inch monitor of the 1024 by 768 yeah all that fun olden days yeah i think i have mine sitting up in the attic somewhere 
(laughs) (laughs) And so, just to round out the week, there is kind of a a little bit iOS gaming news that kind of counts as Apple news. Epic announced that Fortnite for iOS has generated $50 million since it launched. So, in case you're wondering what the App Store can do for popular games, hopefully you're not wondering. It's more the smaller games that are the wondering. But for big games, it can make mad bank so if you're a big company there's no reason not to think about getting your game on the app store in some shape or form right especially if it's it can be put into a friendly free-to-play format which seems to be where the real money is and that's why we see so much of it on ios unlike the harry potter game we talked about last week <laughs> Fortnite. i mean they're free they're a, the the way they're pulling in the money is non-obtrusive to people playing the game. It's really catching in on the people that want to spend money, but it's not affecting gameplay for ever for the fans. The fans can play for free if they want to. It's if they choose to spend money, then they can. Yeah, I think the bigger question is how did players spend fifty million dollars? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. Like, I, I'm guessing it's a lot of kids or that are doing this, but I don't know how they're spending the money. I really don't. Because you can play a ton of that game without spending anything. Yeah, and that's like the most appealing aspect of the game, that you can play it on your device, on the go, without spending anything, jump in, you know, do the little flying out of the flying bus, land in, and just start blasting away. Yep. So that's pretty much the news of the week, and that means it's time for some apps. And the first one this week is called SoundCard, and it essentially lets you add sound to postcards with those postcards having your own personalized picture. So it's not just like a beach set that someone else took. You can add in your own photos and then record your own voice and send it off. And you're not just sending digital postcards. You're actually sending out real physical postcards. It takes about three to seven days for the postcard to arrive. And they cost $2.45. And the way they do it is that it's not that the sound is embedded into the postcard. It's not like one of those birthday cards where it plays like a little song that you when you open it. Instead, it actually includes a QR code. You scan that, and then the audio plays back. So you have the postcard plus the QR code, essentially. Right, right. They're not embedding like a little mechanical in. It would be kind of tough in a postcard because it doesn't close. There's nothing to seal it up. Anyone can listen to your message. Well, I guess technically anyone can listen to your message if they scan the QR code that's on the thing. But it's kind of neat because you can uh, customize it with your own photo and you can actually send voice to go along with it. Unlike your standard postcard where you're just either sending an image that you like, there already are apps that allow you to attach a photo to a postcard and have it mailed out. But this one kind of adds that extra element of sound as well. 245 is kind of expensive given that a actual postcard, just a regular postcard, only costs about $0.35 cents to mail in the U.S. It does say that you can mail uh, this uh, anywhere around the world for that same $2.45 charge. So I guess for international postage, you'd probably pay more to mail a postcard internationally. But I can't imagine it's going to cost you $2.45 to mail a standard postcard. But... I guess if you want to kind of have something unique and and personal, this is a great way to kind of go that extra step, especially around Mother's Day. Yeah, that's the big thing. So 
this is going to be the last podcast we have before Mother's Day because it's this coming Sunday. Just a friendly reminder, May 13th and with or May 12th. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to trick them. You're getting them all in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So you can send, you know, your own personal custom image and then hopefully your mom has an iPhone or is at least capable enough to use the app to then scan in the QR code so you don't have to call her and say and explain how to use QR codes. So then she can listen to the sound. But I guess that's also an excuse to call her so you can get on the phone and talk to your mom on Mother's Day. Well, the question is, do you actually need the app to play the sound or is it going to just bring you to a website? I haven't tried it yet. So I'm wondering if you can just use your normal camera on your phone take a picture of that QR code and it'll bring you to a website that would play the sound. You don't necessarily even need to use the app at that point. Yeah, I haven't ordered a $2.45 postcard yet, but (laughs) it looks like that the app says you can use any QR code reader to do it, so I gotta imagine it's a web link. Yep. So that makes it a little bit more convenient. So if you ever just want to be any type of personal message where it's thank you gift, graduation, birthday, anniversary, this can come in handy. There's a bunch, like you mentioned, of apps that let you include your own photos and do all that. But to kind of distinguish it with sound makes it even that much more personal. Yep. Though it's worth noting that it's not like some huge long, you can't like record like some 10 minute message. It's pretty much, I think about 30 seconds max it might even be less than that so you need to be short and sweet with your message as well right but you can record it until you're happy with it play it back see it and then then decide that that's good yep so that's called sound card postcard with sound it's free and it is iphone only so that means it's time for some new games and we're going to start with spike steady it's the latest game from natromi and it offers their familiar style of that kind of classic retro art style mixed with platforming elements. Elements, And this one, in particular, is the vertical platformer. If you played Natromi games before, then this is going to be familiar to Leap Day, where you have different sections broken up, and then you try to kind of have these little simplified platformer styles. And in the case of Spike City, you get to play as this cute little spike who, since he has a spike head, can stab into walls. So you can swipe in all four directions, and there'll be sequences where if you swipe and hold, he'll latch into the side of the wall or the roof, and then you can wait for objects in the environment to move to then fall back down safely. And it's all about just swiping through each of these given sections. And if you think of a vertical swipe-based platformer, then Tomb of the Mask is very similar. This game plays a lot like Tomb of the Mask, but it's simpler, and it's just another kind of... Like, Natromi's put out a lot of games that really blend together. Yeah, I almost feel like they've gone to the well far too many times now at this point with the same sort of style. Uh, it almost, it, it reminded me, even though the uh, slime pizza, the the movement was slightly different with that pull and flick, it was still kind of the same setup where you're just trying to get around a smaller little level and that then opens up into another part of the level. I don't know, it just seems like we've seen this thing over and over and over again with them, and I I didn't feel like the controls were as precise enough as they... So, like, if you're flying up in the air, you're going to have to swipe 
left to avoid spikes at times or swipe right and you have to time those swipes just right so that maybe halfway up the level you're swiping to the left and it seemed to stutter just enough that sometimes you'd get into trouble just because it wouldn't register your movement as quickly as you put it in and I, I didn't feel like it was as polished as the other ones we've seen I don't know I, I feel like they're just kind of riding this thing out a little too much yeah, when I first saw it, it definitely looked good. I'm, I, you watch the trailer, it's like that's like Tomb of the Mask. Let's see how Natromi does it. And with Tomb of the Mask, it has super precise swipe controls, so you can weave through really tight sequences at fast pacing style that's needed to make it through. This game has, it's not as challenging, but you still need that precision. When, like you said, you go, you hold onto the roof, and then you drop down, and then you need to swipe into this special section kind of midair. And if it ever kind of messes up, you just are more kind of disinterested in continuing because of the controls rather than the game. And that's even more true kind of to get that swipe and hold stick mechanic. It it never felt intuitive. Like, you'd kind of have to purposely think about doing it every single time because it just isn't as natural as it needs to be like if it was a swipe and a tap or just something that was more responsive it might do better right yeah the only time that i felt like it was obvious that you should do is when they had the locks and you had to swipe and hold and even that took me a few tries to even figure out what they wanted me to do and then finally i realized oh wait a minute i gotta hold on to that wall in order to wait for the lock to unlock all the locks and then you can continue on. <clears throat> I felt like they had the same swipe midair in Green Ninja Year of the Frog, but I don't remember it not performing. I, I do remember a few times it did, but I don't remember it to the extent that we saw here where it just really doesn't seem to register your swipes. Green Ninja Year of the Frog is definitely a better game. <laughs> yes, yeah. Especially because, you know, they made that magic touch wizard for hire with where it's, you have to swipe those different shapes to get rid of enemies. And that is super responsive. With it is really dependent on touch controls. So it's weird that it's like it uses a different engine or maybe they're just publishing someone else's game. But it, it just it it's definitely weird compared to their other catalog of games. Yep. Yep. And so that's Spike City. It's free. It's universal. And if you listen to last week's episode and this feels like a continuation of us just ripping apart games, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, maybe we can transition away from that with Distraint, which is this kind of horror-based 2D side-scrolling, subtly point-and-click adventure game where you get to essentially play as a landlord who needs to evict different residents for different purposes and if you evict certain res re uh, residents, you'll then be upgraded to become a partner of the law firm, essentially, or the housing company, uh, whatever. And that is essentially your goal. So you end up selling your soul, you know, with no compassion whatsoever to advance through this game. And then in doing so, all kinds of crazy horror stuff comes out. Like at the very opening of the game, you'll just be, you have to go evict this old lady. And walking through the halls, you'll come across this body that looks like its head was blown off with a shotgun. <laughs> and I... that is just, it, then you come back out and it's gone. And then it's just going to build from there with like this weird kind of appearing and disappearing dead bodies and just building up 
with that horror kind of suspension idea, but it's still kind of goofy and fun. You know, it's not like this scary edge of your seat thing. So it's a kind of fun uh, paradox with that. Right, yeah. So if you have headphones on, they'll like crank up the music and really try to scare you with that. You'll see things kind of like move quickly around and then all of a sudden blood will appear or other creepy things will show up and then you'll reach the end of a part of a level where all of a sudden the three partners at this firm you're trying to join are singing and dancing and happy to see you and asking if you're doing your job and it just completely changes everything you're like what what is going on here (laughs) and so I, they do kind of try to put this little tongue-in-cheek thing in there with all of this kind of horrifying stuff that you're seeing within the rest of the game. And I like how you said uh, that it's sort of a point-and-click adventure because I enjoyed... I, I've only... I, I think it's about a two-hour game and I'm about halfway through it. And I've been enjoying it. The only problem I have is it kind of leads you on a singular path through the game. You can't pick up things when you're not allowed to when you're not ready to use them you can't it kind of steers you in the direction of where you're really kind of just going through a a linear story and you can kind of see a few things ahead of time but you can't really prepare ahead of time for them by like normally in a point and click adventure you just start picking up anything you can carry it around and then switch that item when you need it where this, it kind of doesn't even give the option of picking things up until you triggered something else to then know that you need to go get this item, and then it lets you pick it up. So I was kind of a little disappointed about that, that you're not really kind of free to roam and do it. You're kind of on rails, sort of. You still have to figure some things out, but you don't really have as much freedom as you do in other point-and-click adventure games. That kind of fits with the whole thing. When your inventory only has three slots, it kind of puts you into that perspective that this is like a more watered-down version of a point-and-click. Like, it has the basic elements, but like you said, on-rails is a good description where it kind of leads you along. It's kind of like Home, a horror story, that little horror simple adventure game where it has the subtle elements, but it's not going to go full-on, like, Thimbleweed or some really deluxe point-and-click adventure game. Right, right. And, and the, the other, and it, like also the controls are a little awkward because you just basically on the screen have these giant, two giant arrows and a giant B and A button. Your B is what you use to bring up the the inventory and the A button kind of cycles through the inventory when the inventory is up or otherwise that's your like interaction button and so when you're on top of an item that you can interact with a little exclamation point comes up and then you can tap the A button to go through things and then you kind of just tap on the left or right arrow to move through the scenery because it's all in 2D and the weird thing is like if you don't tap through some of the text things so say you're in a multi line text thing where they're showing you one line at a time you keep on hitting a to cycle through those but if you're moving at the same time that that stuff's up it won't show you when you're there's things you can interact with so you have to make sure you close out whatever the current dialogue strings are if you want to make sure you're not going to miss something you can interact with i'm glad you mentioned that because you know you're used to just tapping anywhere on the screen to continue so there's a point where you know you just try to start moving right and the game doesn't react at all and you realize you have to press the a button to clear the existing text on screen 
Right, yeah, yeah. It's it's a little... I don't know if this is... Because I think it was on PC first. Yeah. So I don't know if that comes from like them trying to port this over to a non-PC setup or if it's the same way on the PC. I don't know. But it, it just kind of weird little UI things. But otherwise, I'm enjoying it. I'm, look, I'm definitely going to finish it and I'm curious to see how it ends and if I become a partner in this crazy, weird dancing law firm or whatever they are financial firm yeah i the story is definitely the one that stands out and that's gonna make you fully invested to want to play out through the entirety especially once crazier and crazier things start occurring so you'll have like a super crazy night that kind of gets you invested in the game and then the following morning you try to just go on your regular routine and new crazy things happen but it's like a whole different tonality to the craziness like where it's more like kind of this fear-inducing uh, craziness now you have this weird peculiar kind of goofy craziness <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and there are no auto saves in the game but they do put save points all over the place that you can just tap on that look like an avengers poster to me but i don't know <laughs> what that thing's supposed to be uh and you just tap on that thing and the, or tap a well on top of that thing and it saves your your progress in the game yep it's definitely the avengers logo <laughs> <laughs> And so that's Distraint. It's a definite standout for this week. It's $3.99. It's universal. And then there's Axe.io. It's published by Crescent Moon Games. And it's if you've played Fortnite, you're going to kind of be up to speed with this type of game. Or really any of those .io simple games. The It kind of merges the .io where you have like a single little circle moving around with a more complex Fortnite game. And just takes it so it's really mobile specific where you get to essentially be this viking who has axes and you can toss them at the other people to kill them you have one button to toss your axe if it hits the enemy it's instant death for that enemy it's not like there's any health meters or they have a stronger health meter and can last multiple axe blows so it's really quick the main game starts an arena where there's six players and this arena is super tiny so you're having people cross through you you always seem to have someone like right in your face or someone to throw an axe at and so you also have a roll button to kind of help you dodge things and you just try to survive as long as you can as you survive you can level up to pick up shields and swords to give you more than just axe tossing but when you do start out you have you're at level one you throw your axe you have to go pick up another axe to replace it it's not like you have an infinite supply so you have to be careful with your shots and then the neatest thing is, as soon as you lose, you can press restart and you're right back at it. It's like no buffering or anything. You're just back in it, throwing axes again. And so that really lets you just kind of have fun and get into the game. And then there's three additional modes. So there's one where the map's a little larger. Another mode where it's the classic Fortnite Battle Royale. In this case, you start with 50 players and you try to be the last one standing. And then there's this dragon co-op battle where there's this dragon in the middle of the castle and all of the players are throwing the axes at the dragon to try to kill it. And the person who does the most damage wins the round. And so there's multiple ways to play. But the core game is really this close quarters combat that focuses on tossing axes and not having to worry about any more complexities than that. Right, I think it's so perfectly suited for mobile because it is quick in, quick out. You could die quickly, but you're just back in the action super quickly. I was super impressed at how smoothly the game ran. It didn't feel like I was playing against a whole bunch of other 
bunch of people that were online didn't seem like it was glitchy everything was moving at proper speed and it just was quick fun action and yeah it does get a little repetitive but if you can manage to survive and level up and then you can start to pick up other weapons where now you're able to not only carry more than one axe but then also have that sword so maybe you take out a couple people with your axes and then some guy gets close because he's going to pick up those axes that you threw and now you slam him with the sword or you get two people with the sword and so it's just a lot of fun as you try to level up and collect more stuff and then maybe you find a spot where you can hide out and kind of try to survive for most of that 50 players and then go on a tear right near the end and hopefully take out the rest of the people yeah and like you said it's really made for mobile that's the best aspect of the game is that you can get in, get out. It feels like you're even playing computer players, how well the connection is. And then each game is going to last a couple minutes at most. Like, you start getting into it. There's this live leaderboard of the six-player mode. And you just get to the top of it, and you get an axe in the back. And then you're right back at the start. <laughs> but you can just press restart, throw right back in it. And then even that 50-player mode, you know, say you're put in a place where someone else is. You get hit with an axe before you even know what you're doing so you finish 50th you can restart it's not like oh now you have to wait for a new room for all these people to join and then reset like that so that keeps you constantly invested in wanting to play and i like how condensed the maps are so that there seems like there's always somebody to deal with and just constant action for this type of game right yeah and i can easily see them adding additional maps uh, to this and having more places to play or randomize the maps to make it a little bit different each time would be nice. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it is super fun. You're not going to wait around and you can just keep on playing as much as you want to. Yep, and so that's Axe.io. It's free. It's universal. And so next up is Parade the Rhythm Battle, which provides these 3D voxel characters. You get to play as whichever one you choose and then you're going to follow behind these different animals and the animals will pull off different dance moves in the parade so it's a bit like ostrich among us in that regard <laughs> and so they pull off the moves and then there's these little flagpoles that show the moves so it might be up down sideways up up and you have to perform those different swipes with your character and then as you go they're going to be more and more complex moves because the way it turns into a parade is that you complete the penguin's moves and then the penguin will join your parade. And then you complete the dog moves, the dog will join your parade. And then you'll have like a boss battle that's a cat. And the moves become more complex and chained together. But each time you complete it successfully, you have more creatures joining your parade to amp up your score and have that big parade. And then as you also complete those characters, they give you kind of this freeze frame so you can take a picture of the lead character with all your unlocked animals behind you to have this fun little screenshot you can save to your device. Now, the weird thing I, I didn't fully understand about this was it almost looks like, so you could go from like a swipe down where you kind of do this little spin move with your foot to a swipe left or right and then you could do a swipe up but sometimes with a swipe up you're jumping over a flag do you can you successfully skip that flag and continue on to just the next one that you're over at the time and do that one because it seemed like you could but i'm not entirely positive i got a little confused as to whether or not that was valid 
I tried to pull off everything the flags did regardless if... Because he jumps up, but he doesn't necessarily jump forward. So as long as he was still kind of hovering it, if, like, say he's 10 foot off the ground, you can still do those side swipe maneuvers 10 foot off the ground. So I always tried to focus on that. I didn't risk it to skip a flag. I have no idea. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a cute little game, and they do kind of just randomly throw things at you. I did play actually the first time I played it. I played it with no sound whatsoever, so you don't necessarily even need the sound. You're just looking at those flags and trying to time it while you're over the flags to pull off those moves. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I it's definitely not one that's going to captivate my interest for a long, long time. But it's cute, kind of like the ostrich game was, but obviously there's a little more going on here just because it's kind of spread out, although it still comes down to just pulling off these quick uh, rhythm sections where you just have to uh, swipe left, right, up, down, or whatever ha- you have have you. But I don't know. It's cute, but not not going to stay a long time. Yeah, there's a good rhythmic beat to the game. If you do listen to it with sound, you can kind of get into it. Though your character, if you swipe down, he yells down. He doesn't just dance. And it's super annoying when you're doing the moves and you're listening to the music and someone's yelling the directions that you're swiping. It's (laughs) like, I know what directions. You didn't tell me before I did it. You did it after. So it's not helping at all. If I swipe down and the next move is up and you yell down, part of you wants to swipe down again because it's kind of like Simon Says. So that was a <laughs> yeah, I, I can see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it might be actually better to play without any sound on. The only kind of hesitation for me is that I wanted more parade to give you a benefit. Where, you know, kind of like Grim Joggers, where you have like 15 guys and it gives you like that combo multiplier the more guys you have with you before they kind of fall off and die. So if your parade really amped up, it should have emphasized more coin earning or just combo multipliers like it's subtly there but it it's not like as big as you would hope for for a game that emphasizes creating a parade right or or allow those those extras to be sacrificed to like give you a little buffer if for some reason you should start to mess things up like maybe allow you to miss a flag and one animal goes away walks away because you're it doesn't think you have the skills anymore but it's just something, some reason other than just to see as far as you can go and how big of a line of a parade you can build. A little more motivation to, to create the biggest parade you can. Yeah, so like you, I don't think this game's going to last that long on my device, and I don't think it has an appealing dynamic as Ostrich Among Us. So that's Parade, the Rhythm Battle. It's free, it's universal. And then to round out the week... We've talked about Rusty Lake a number of times on the podcast, and now they have a new Kickstarter for their latest game that also ties into a short film, which is going to combine their Rusty Lake games with their Cube Escape games to just be Cube Escape Paradox, essentially, or Rusty Lake Paradox. But it's really neat just seeing the live-action version of Rusty Lake because it goes with the detective who's in the Cube Escape games. He looks like the main protagonist. But Mr. Crow is in the background, so they're going to kind of combine the two storylines together to encompass everything that happens at Rusty Lake. 
Yeah, it looks like they did a fantastic job casting this thing. These things look like the characters from the games, and all the Cube Escape games have been free, and though this Kickstarter is raising money, it's already raised quite a bit of money, so they... They still have 26 days to go at the time we're recording this, and they've already made almost $25,400, and their goal was uh, $17,950. I think it's actually in another currency, and it just converted it. That's why it's not, like, even amounts. But, uh, so they're well over their funding goal, which means that, and I think they funded in, like, 10 hours, which means the Cubescape I mean, the video, the short act, the short film is going to be released for free on YouTube. The Cube Escape portion of the game, if you've followed their series, the Cube Escape games have always been free. There's going to be a free version of Cube Escape Paradox, which will have most of the content, but then there'll also be a paid version, which has additional content. There'll be multiple endings as well, I think, in the short film. And so... You can it, this. You still will be able to play the Cube Escape game for free, but they will have additional content in the premium version that I assume you'll pay to unlock, or maybe there'll be two separate releases. I'm not sure, but uh, it's good to know that this is. You'll be able to watch the film for free no matter what because they hit their funding goal. So. If you want to back it, they're already out of iOS spots to back it, but you can still back for uh, Android spots if you're an Android supporter, or you can just give them some money just if you want to help them out and you get an exclusive digital wallpaper, But or there's other pledge levels still available as well. But definitely worth checking out the Kickstarter. You'll get a little teaser on what this looks like, and... Uh, if you're a fan of the, the games like we are, I think you're really going to find it cool to see how they translated the game into lot, actual real-world kind of movie. Yep. Always could use some more Rusty Lake Cube Escape action. And to see, you know, I'm always so intrigued because it has that crossover among, like, 12 different games. There's these little subtle connections among games. So to see that come full circle... And then actually turn into a live action film, not just these characters that we've seen drawn time and time again. It's a brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah. I hope it really does well for them because you can definitely tell they put a lot of effort and thought into how they were going to translate this. And I'm hoping it's not super duper creepy because the games are super duper creepy. I'm guessing they probably won't be as creepy just because it's going to be on YouTube. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Yep. And so that's Rusty Lake Paradox. You can look for it on Kickstarter. And I think that's everything for episode 66. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later. <laughs>